Hey everyone, welcome to the Illustrious Gentleman Podcast. Uh, my name is Ryan Cody, and this is a podcast where we talk about comics, pop culture, uh, working in comics, freelancing, all that good stuff. You can listen to every episode and get merch and all that good stuff at tigshow.com, T-I-G-S-H-O-W.com. You can also uh, become a patron at patreon.com slash super75studios, and you'll get video versions of the podcast that Scott and I do together. And a bunch of other good stuff for the next uh, month or so. Uh, payments are turned off at my Patreon, so anyone who signs up, you won't be billed. I'm not quite sure how that happens, but uh, take my word for it. I'm not billing anybody. I hope that you can still sign up to become a new Patreon, our new patron at Patreon. God, so confusing. They should have come up with a better name. Um, so anyways... I decided this week it's time to sort of streamline the process with everything I do here to cut the fat, so to speak. Uh, 99% of the Illustrious Gentleman episodes are Scott and I doing what we do best. Uh, we talk about working in comics, or we bitch about your favorite movie or your favorite TV show. And uh, sometimes deadlines and family responsibilities get in the way, and Scott and or I, one either one of us can't record. Uh, when we both can't be on there, we do Chaser episodes. Uh, most of those I either do solo or with uh, with a very special guest sitting in. Um, and earlier this year, I recorded four episodes of a new podcast. And I assume if you're listening to this, most of you also listened to that. Uh, it was called Super Fun Weekend. Uh, but if not, this is your chance because I'm bringing Super Fun Weekend into the illustrious gentleman fold. Well, I have two different blogs, two different Twitters, two different Instagram accounts. Why not just have every podcast I produce just be available on the same feed here? So... Uh, why split up my already diminished audience base when I can try and build it up instead? Uh, Super Fun Weekend is an interview-style podcast focused on artists and traveling. I've recorded four episodes so far, and I have plans for more. I just need to coordinate schedules and find the time to make that happen. Um, before I jump into that, or before we jump into that together, I thought I'd throw out a couple recommendations for everyone. Something you know Scott and I do at the end of the Illustrious Gentleman episodes, uh, I just thought I would do it up front here, so... I recently, uh, at my local library, I recently checked out the first four Reckless hardcovers. Uh, Reckless is an image series by Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips with colors by Jacob Phillips. Uh, I'm not a diehard fan of everything Brubaker and Phillips do, but after reading these, I think maybe I should give a give myself some more time to deep dive into their catalog. Uh, Reckless is real fun. It's, it's punchy. It's an easy read. It's a quick read. And uh, each book reminds me kind of like an episode of Magna P.I., and that's a compliment in the, in the best way. Uh, the artwork is very much in service of the overall story, and then combine those two together, and it makes for a really, really enjoyable read. Uh, I can't remember the last time I read four volumes of a comic, you know, over the course of one week. I've also been enjoying the Britpop Show podcast. It's a podcast and radio show from the U.K. that focuses on Britpop from the mid-90s, kind of my sweet spot musically. Uh, episodes are sometimes themed and they feature lots of music and it's been really fun listening to this on my walks and while at work so if you're like me and you think different class by pulp is one of the greatest albums of all time i think you'll enjoy it too so on that note enjoy this episode if you haven't heard it already um and if you have heard it already enjoy it again this is the illustrious gentleman presents super fun weekend with comic book artist michael cho Welcome to Super Fun Weekend. As comic creators, we often combine work and vacation. If there's a show in Seattle, well, I love Seattle, so I can go there 
work a comic convention, and then I have the evenings to explore the city and see those fellow freelancer friends that I only see when we're at a convention. And sometimes these work trips can be very uplifting, sometimes not, but that's what I love about traveling, the chance that however rare, adventure could be around any corner. So that's the basic idea of this show, to talk to other professional creatives about our unique lifestyle of the workcation. I want to find out what cities they love, what conventions they love, and why. Where are the places that call to them on those long days when we're all stuck behind a computer or a drafting table? Where exactly is that next super fun weekend going to be? And more importantly, when? So for this first episode, I was thrilled to get a chance to talk to Toronto-based artist and illustrator Michael Cho. He is a Schuster and Ringo award-winning cover artist, and his short comic story Trinity was selected by editor Neil Gaiman for the Best American Comics Anthology in 2010. His first graphic novel, Shoplifter, was published by Pantheon and debuted on the New York Times bestseller list. In addition to drawing a huge amount of covers for Marvel in DC, he has also done illustration work for clients such as the New York Times, the New Yorker, President Biden and Vice President Kamala Harris's election transition team, the Wall Street Journal, Village Voice, ESPN Magazine, Billboard, and many more. I first became aware of Michael's work over 15 years ago. I was a lurker and poster on the famous Shane Glines drawing board forum when I was trying to break into comics. So many great artists were on that forum, many who are still working in comics to this day. Like most other guys on there, I was enthralled with Michael's work and how he melded his amazing design with a Jack Kirby, Darwin Cook, and Bruce Timm aesthetic. So the stuff I saw from Michael Cho was right up my alley. In this chat, we talked a bit about Shane Glein's drawing board, of course, uh, but we also talk about what it was like to be at shows after a couple years off, some of his favorite cons like TCAF in Toronto and Heroes in Charlotte, his favorite cities, how hard a pottery convention can party, drawing at conventions, and much more. Michael is one of the best cover artists working today, and he's hired extensively by Marvel in DC to provide cover art on their omnibus collections and hardcovers, and his style appears, appeals to fans of all ages. His original art is available through albertmoy.com. So thanks for listening to the intro, and I hope you enjoy this chat with artist Michael Cho. That was like 20, it feels like 20 years ago, right? Like, yeah, but, it was. Well, I graduated art school in 2001, so it was probably like 2005. I know it was 2005 because the first convention I ever did was Wizard World 2005, Wizard World Dallas. So, yeah, it would have to be around there because I remember I joined the, the drawing board around 2006 when my buddy Jay Bone was like, Oh, no, you're stuck at home all day. You should actually go talk to other artists and stuff. Right. And I was like, Well, okay. That, that's that's why I have this like weird uh, fondness for everybody I ever met on the drawing board because it was, yeah, like, it was the perfect place at the perfect time for a lot of people. Yeah. A lot of people, I mean, like that's how I met like uh like Evan Shane. Yeah. That's how I met. That's how I met Mitch. That's how I met Ron Salas. Like all these guys. Oh Ron, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know that you know, I see like people. heroes or whatever. I never ever met Mitch on the drawing board. And well, was on the same stuff. Remember, because I became good friends with uh, Evan through that before uh, he became like Doc, right? Yeah, I can't yeah, I, <laughs> I know. <laughs> Yeah, I, I feel like I, I feel like that's where I first saw Mitch's work, but I can't be certain. Uh, I know that I saw Ron's work there because you know yeah. Ron was a regular. We hit it off because we're kind of similar in a lot of ways, right? So, right. 
but and I and I remember like uh, when Evan started blowing up, I was like, I had to tell him, like, dude, I, you you have a his creative like his improvement trajectory was like this, and most yes. people, myself included, are like this, just a steady year after year improvement. But his was like, I was like, I've never seen a curve like that. You know, where you were, you were like a decent, uh, you know, uh, semi-pro at that point uh, when right. I met him at the drawing board. And then within a few years, he was a pro. And then within a few years, he was like as good as anybody. Uh, and I remember one of the first things that uh, that struck that that I remember about like you posting was those uh, those Toronto like back alley sketches oh, yeah. and like your buildings and stuff like that. It was such a you know, everyone else is posting like superheroes and like trying to like do that kind of shit. And you're doing this, this kind of unique uh, illustration style. And so, yeah, that was, uh, that was a long time ago. It's because I was an illustrator, you know, like I was, I, I, all my friends were cartoonists and I could do cartooning, but I was like my, the job I did on a, you know, a 24 seven basis was, was illustration. So um, in between like, you know, doing Hulk doodles and stuff like that, I would also have assignments and then, and I would also like, I still kept, Back then, before I had kids, I had artistic aspirations to, like, you know, be a painter and such, right? And then you have to pay the bills, and you're like, no, right? <laughs> so, so yeah, but it was like, I, I remember, I just wanted to, back then, I just wanted to do, like, um, I wanted to have variety. I wanted to be diverse. That's still something I strive for these days. I guess people know you from drawing pretty much every Marvel and DC collection cover that's coming out. Yeah, it feels like, last, like yeah. feels like it, eh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get, I, I get, I get all of those. Right? And like, um, I think there was a run where I did everybody in DC for, um, except uh, Flash and Green Lantern, and they didn't give me Robin, which was the one I really wanted to do. All right, so you just, uh, you just did uh, WonderCon, which I was there, but I didn't uh, introduce myself or reintroduce myself, uh, just because I, I don't know. I always feel awkward when I'm. To, to occupy an artist someone's time when there's a con. Um, and it was also weird for me because it was the first time I've been at a show since like 95 where I wasn't, I didn't have a table. Like, I, oh. you know, so it's like, it was just weird to walk around. I, I think I realized like, that's not for me. I don't even know why I went. My feet are killing me. But uh, I assume it was probably the biggest show or the, maybe the first show you've done since COVID. How was that for you? How was WonderCon? Um, it, you know what? Yeah, it was the first show like I did since 2020, right? I went to C2E2 in March of 2020 and we were all like, you know, like elbow bumping that. Remember, like we thought that elbow bumping would like prevent COVID or something. Right. So it's like something stupid like that instead of like, hey, how about masks? You know, <laughs> so, uh, so it was like the first show that I've been to in two years. Yeah. And it was like I hadn't even been around any crowds in two years. And then I was going to get thrown into like 80,000 or hundred thousand or however many people were there so but it was you know what was really weird was that like it was um it was surprising how normal it all felt except for the fact that we were masked and that normality was weird because every once in a while you'd remind yourself like oh wait there's still covid guys you know like you'd be uh, everyone was masked up at the con uh, and then we'd all be in the hotel lobbies and we'd all be masked on and then and then we'd be drinking and then we'd take off our masks and then we'd be like you know because it, it, it's like you know 11 p.m. and we're all having drinks and you remind yourself oh wait covid is still here right like we're just we're just not wearing masks so and that felt really kind of weird but Everybody I was talking to said the same thing. It was like first show in two years for them uh, in most cases. So, you know, it was, uh, and it felt like a normal con again. And it, I kind of missed it, you know? 
Yeah, I, uh, the first night we got in there, we were just uh, walking around the bar. And uh, yeah, it was the same thing. Like you're just seeing people without masks. Because we, we got there, we went to the show the next day. So we got there and we weren't wearing masks in the hotel bar. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, just just uh, shooting the shit with everybody. And then the next day, it's like masks on with the whole time you're at the convention. Um, I didn't even think about the whole... because. I didn't even think about having to show my Vax card. Like I'm lucky I had a photo of it on my phone, like in my camera roll somewhere. Cause I didn't even think about it. So I had to search back like a couple hundred photos to get it. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it, the precautions made me feel safe. And then also it's just, it's, I mean, it's what it's going to be going forward. If you're going to do shows, if you decide yeah. to do shows, that's what it's going to be. But you're right. It did seem except for the wearing the masks. It did seem pretty normal and the crowds were definitely there. It wasn't like uh, it was dead. Yeah, and I thought that the, the the organizers did a really good job of like um, everybody had to wear those wristbands that after proving that they've gotten the, their vaccine, so therefore it wasn't like a, a, a you know a, a, a bottleneck at the door as everybody's trying to show their vaccination status. You just applied once and got your wristband, so that every time you walked in, you could just flash that, and the security would let you in. So, but it was kind of nice, just like seeing people after two years like the only other time that i saw like a crowd of people it was really weird was when toronto had a con and i didn't go to the con because it was like even though i was vaccinated i was like "Ah, it's a little too soon there's going to be a lot of people and i don't know if i really want to go but i went to the after party right and then and i saw all these people from all over like um you know the u.s and stuff friends uh, who you know artist friends who came in from the states or from other parts of canada and then um I didn't go to another party until about six months later when Toronto had another con. And again, I didn't go to the con, but I went to the after party, right? And I saw the same people, right, at the same venue. And, I, and they were like, oh, Mike, it's good to see you again. You know, what have you been up to? And I was like, dude, it feels like literally yesterday that I saw you because I, we were met exactly at the same spot, you know, in the same place, in the same circumstances. And in between those times, I did nothing but see my family. Yeah. Yeah, I've been to a couple small things in Phoenix, but uh, Anaheim was the big one. Uh, are there a lot of? Uh, does Toronto have a lot of shows? Like, uh, yeah. do you do you enjoy doing the local shows there, or is it just sort of like? I mean, you did it right this when during COVID, or I guess before Anaheim when you said you went to those two shows, just the after party. That's the way to go. That's my yeah. kind of con. But I mean, uh, do you enjoy the local shows there? Oh yeah, yeah. Um, like Toronto has a lot of cons. In fact, we have. Um, two of my favorite cons uh one is an indie um sort of a comic art festival called tcaf the toronto comic art festival and that has like a lot of um young independent creators um they bring in european artists you know uh japanese artists and things like that and it's more like a european style festival and that's a fantastic show it's free uh it goes uh it takes place downtown so you're not in the middle of nowhere like you can just step out and see all of toronto uh and uh, a a lot of my friends come to that and and then we also have fan expo which is like a standard gigantic style mega con that's the biggest one in canada and that's like a like a three or four day extravaganza again in downtown toronto where there's cosplayers and everything and then we have also smaller events throughout the year so you know toronto is a pretty big con city and uh for years when i was starting out um i would just do the toronto cons until uh and then i would get invited occasionally to like when i was starting out nobody would 
wants to invite you. Like, you know, so um, they would uh, they would invite me to smaller cities, but um, I wouldn't want to go because um, I had a daughter at the time who didn't really like me leaving home for like a week or something, you know. And so I didn't I didn't do any other cons except Toronto ones until she turned about six or so. Do you remember the the first show you did? So, so like I keep using, I don't know what term to use because I want to talk more about traveling in general, but it just seems to be when you're a comic creator, it seems to focus around cons. Uh, so I'll just use the term business trip, I guess. Do you remember the first time you went out when you left, you know, either took a drive or took a plane somewhere for a con or for a signing? Yeah, I could be wrong. But um, in 2013 um, was when I started doing them because my daughter turned six and she was okay with the idea of me, you know, leaving for like a few days um, as long as I brought her back like Harry Potter merch or something. Right. Uh, and uh, and I think that's when I started going to cons again, like um, outside of Toronto. And um, I, uh, I did like a book tour and stuff. But the one that sticks out um, – memorably is um i went to heroes con in charlotte north carolina for the first time and uh and that was a really dope show like my friend uh my friend andy belanger do you know him um he's another good comic artist i know i know of him i know the name yeah andy's great and he was like oh you should do heroes and i was like why it was like oh no it's the party show and i was like all right fine i'll go right and then sure enough all of our friends were there Right. And it was so it was totally memorable, even though like like, you know, back then we had I had to like split a room with Andy and um, and it was just, you know, a hilariously good time. The fans were cool. Um, the city was cool, you know, so uh, that's the one that stands out as my first one. Wow, that's a um, that's a high bar to set for when you start doing shows and the first one out the gate when you're still kind of new as heroes. Yeah. Uh, um, actually before that though, like in 2007 and eight, I went to San Diego for the first time and that right. was, but I didn't table at those cons, right? Like that I viewed San Diego, like as like everyone saying you have to go to San Diego. Right. And that's where I had like a lot of meetings and, you know, and you know, those meetings that you have with like editors where you're like behind two rows of boxes, you know, and they go, okay, we got 15 minutes. So let's just, just go back here. And then while you're talking to them, somebody they're going like, okay, so, so what are you interested in drawing? Hang on a second. No, no, no. Those boxes over there. You have to get that. Okay. I'll be there in five minutes. And you're saying, they go like, why am I even having this meeting? This is totally stupid, you know, like all we're getting is interruptions. Yeah. I always, when, when, uh, you know, when people ask me like, Oh, are you going to go to San Diego? I'm like, I haven't been to San Diego since 2009. It's just too much. It's just too much of everything for me personally. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, when I did go, I mean, that's, you know, I, that's where my, the first book I ever did, it got picked up by a small publisher. It was at a San Diego con yeah. and it was the same thing. They're like, I'm talking to them, showing them my portfolio. And then it's like, Hey, come behind the table. You have your little meeting behind the table while they're still trying to sell their books yeah. to everyone who walks by. Uh, yeah, it's funny, it's but like that house. But I did remember. I remember like the one thing I loved back then was like because um, you're starting out, right? It's like 2007, and you go there with your portfolio, and I, you know, I'm packing a little um, nine by twelve size portfolio to show people. And every artist that I met, and it was just so cool, also to see artists that you respect, that you, you, you whose work you'd seen over the years, like Bernie Wrightson or someone like that, you know. And every artist that I met, uh, I would show them my portfolio, and they were really encouraging. You know, and, uh, you know, even the ones that were just took a perfunctory look at it were like, hey, you know, you're really good at this, you know, keep at it. You know, and it was that's like a huge boost when you're starting out. So the the trip itself felt, you know, it was, it was like very, very nourishing, 
in a, in a way, but you know, it, it wasn't like I was there tabling and stand sitting behind the table doing sketches or selling things or signing books or anything like that. Yeah, it's always interesting to me the the mood that a con puts me in just based on whether whether you have those experiences where you're talking to you know another pro and they're complimentary of your work or you just like you know you're spending the whole weekend talking about I guess craft and other fun stuff or you know, then you leave and you're on a high, but then if it's the opposite of that, you go to a show where you don't know anybody, oh, it's kind so of a dead show. It's kind of boring. Like, you know, or you or you don't make any money. Then the plane ride home is like, why do I do Like, it's, it's funny. The giant swings of emotion Yeah, that, that, that plane ride home can be depending on the previous like three days. Totally. Totally. Yeah. I remember, um, um, there was a company whose name starts with a W and it's two words and there was another W in their second name. So, and, uh, w- because they did like shows everywhere, like in places in the U S that I'd never heard of being Canadian. I'm like, you know, what is, you know, Wampum, Pennsylvania or, you know, Pork Bend, Utah, you know, right. <laughs> like, there's a, there's a, there's a wizard world. That, oop, I just said the name. So, uh, <laughs> they're they not were, around anymore. <laughs> they were, they would, uh, they gave me a list once, right? And they were like, um, uh, hey, if you see any shows here that you like, uh, we'd love to have you over. So I went to, um, I picked New Orleans in January, and then I picked Austin, Texas, in like another time, because I'd heard Austin is dope, and there were some friends of mine who lived there. And we went, and before I went to New Orleans, uh, I called a friend of mine and uh, said, hey, I'm going to uh, New Orleans in like uh, January. And he was like, so let me get this straight. You're going to one of the poorest parts of the U.S. three weeks after Christmas. Right. And I was like, yeah, maybe not the best idea. Okay. Right. <laughs> but then I went and, um, uh, and th- because I had drawn this um, special cover for The Walking Dead, um, uh, which was like given away as a promotion as part of the, the show uh-huh. or something, they, we made like so much money at that show. Right, that it was far beyond what my expectations were, and also um, I, because it was New Orleans, we got to go see. You know, we had just had a great drunken time, just wandering the streets with their beers and you know, and seeing bands and everything. So it was it was an incredible experience. And I thought, oh man, this, this show is amazing! I can't wait till I go to Austin. And I went to Austin, and uh, a friend of mine, my buddy Andy, went with me, and uh, we were supposed to meet up with my buddy uh, Becky Clunan, who lived in town, and uh, and she and and we get to the con and uh and i'm like okay did we get the date wrong because there's nobody outside the con usually there's like cosplayers or something right am i at the wrong place we go inside and there's nothing right and then then we get to the con floor and my buddy andy judges cons um the success uh of cons whether or not how many sword dealers there are and he's like (laughs) sword dealer sword dealer hey there's an empty couch instead of a booth okay sword dealer okay blood drive Right. And I was like, okay, this con might be a little bit quiet. And sure right. enough, it was super quiet to the, but the, the upside of it was, was that um, they had booze at the con, which is wild. Right. There yes. was actually like a bar that served. Right. And I was like, and then, um, so we would just drink at the con and like fling rubber bands at people across at the side of the table. Um, a, a fan brought um, a big pile of Texas barbecue, which like we all three of us, Becky, me, and Andy, proceeded to just eat on the floor, you know. <laughs> and, it right. was like, and then and then by the third day, we were all like, you know what? Let's just not go to the third day of this con because this is not working out. There's nobody yeah. here. It's just crazy. So we went and saw a local wrestling match instead. And it was like, and, you know, went to some dive bars in Austin. And I really like loved Austin for that. Cause it's, it's such a, a cool town. Right. But like 
those two contrasting experiences of cons, like that always sticks in my mind as like, okay, you know, if the, that, that, that second con reminded me like what a bad con could be. Yeah. The first time I went to Austin was for a small show called staple, like an indie show that was at like a old, like movie theater. And uh, I, had, I had just done a book and the writer was from Texas. So we had all this Texas support. I made really good money. Uh, I had a lot of fun. And then I did a I did a Wizard World Austin a couple of years later, so maybe like 2014, 2015 or something like that. Uh, my friend Rob Osborne, yeah, might have been. My <laughs> friend Rob Osborne lives out there, so I went to go see him. And then I went to the sh- I did the show because they gave me a table. Uh, and yeah, it was just dead. I think there was a wrestling ring in the like in the thing too. Uh, maybe a different year then. Yeah. Maybe a different year, but yeah, it was. It got to the point where like. Uh, you know, I just took away my my price list for my sketches, and I was like, if anyone just br- buys me a shiner, buy buy me a shiner, bring it to my table, <laughs> and I'll do you like a quick sketch. Uh, but yeah, that that uh, it's it's funny, like a small show that with enthusiastic fans, like Staple, that has like one yeah. one hundred the audience, yeah. is better than a big show where totally. you're just you're just another cog, you're just another. And there's no body. There's no yeah. energy, you know. On the other hand, though, like if it's a really quiet show, um, fans always like point out like you know like oh i love the fact that i got to see you in austin because you spent two hours on the sketch you right know, so you yeah would normally spend like you know 30 minutes on or something because you're just killing time and, and you're talking to the guy the whole time because there's nobody else in line you right. know or try, you know wanting to get something from you so it's like i'm just sitting there shooting the breeze with somebody and drawing this really nice sketch that i'm spending a lot of time going hey you know what maybe i'll put a background on this because what else am I going to do? I'm going to sit right. here and flip, you know, rubber bands of people. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's better to stay busy. Otherwise I'm just going to keep hitting my flask and then that's so good oh, for right. anybody. Oh, uh, <laughs> um, so what do you think in your opinion, what, what makes a good convention? Like, is it like, what are the, what are the things you're looking for when you're looking to do a convention? Like, what do you think uh, it makes a successful show for, uh, from the creator's point of view? Well, um, there's two reasons. One is the mercenary one, and then there's the, the, the social and emotional one. The mercenary one is if I'm going to take a weekend away, right, from like drawing and being away from my family, then it has to be worth it financially for me. So that right. means it has to be a show that is like, you know, where I'm, I'm, I know that I will make some sales of some artwork or whatever, you know, prints and such. And, uh, and, and that'll justify the, the time away from my family. I mean, if I'm gone for the whole weekend, you know, and then I come back and it's like, you know, it, this wasn't a very successful show. It's a really deflating experience because you sit there and go like, why did I go? I have deadlines. I have so much other work to do. But um, the other thing is um, the emotional aspect, uh, the social aspect is your friends, the, the friends you can hang with. Right. So whenever I get um, invited to a show, I immediately check the guest list. Yeah. See, you know what I mean? You sit there go like, oh yeah, that guy's a good hang. Oh yeah, that girl's a good hang. Okay, that that person I don't know them. Oh yeah, I met that guy in the, at this other con. Oh yeah, yeah, we hung out. That was that's cool. And then and then you're looking for your buddy. Right? Yeah. You know, like your road buddy. That like, oh oh, snap, he's gonna be there. Okay, cool. This is gonna be an opportunity to hang out again after you know, like uh, my buddy Andy Belanger, who that we've discussed like three times. Um, one year we did um, three shows back to back to back. Like like they weren't like consecutive weekends but it was one month the next show then another month you know and, and another show and we even made like a tour poster 
you know, because it was like, you know, it was like Lethal Weapons, you know, the road tour, right? And uh, and it was so great because it was like, you know, like, oh, I could see my best buddy who's left Toronto and now he lives in uh, in Montreal. And we, you know, I, we don't get to see each other that often, but we get to see each other every month at these shows. And uh, and then, you know, like uh, you get a show like um, Heroes, for example, which um, uh, Heroes Con in, Char- in Charlotte, North Carolina, where um, the guest list is so big. Right, that there, it feels a little bit like San Diego, where you get this, you know, huge array of artists, and therefore there's, you know, so many of your friends you know are going to be there, or they may not be on the guest list, but they'll just come down with their buddies anyway, just to hang out, you know, and that makes a show because it's like, you know, all of us are like artists and creators, and um, it's it, most of us spend our time um, at home alone in our studios, right? Some of us are in studios with other people but a lot of us are just working from home and it's it's by nature a solitary craft so when you can have a weekend where you can just blow off steam with people who totally understand you know what you're doing and work come from the same field right it's just a cool time so that's what makes that's what really makes a show for me is is the the people like the fellow artists the fans are also good too you know like i i enjoy and i gotta tell you like during covid um I didn't realize how much I missed cons and like hanging out with people and like talk, chatting with people who came by my table until I was locked in my house for like two years, you know, but, and the fans really do make the show as well. Uh, and, and, you know, I've had some really great experiences with fans, but, um, but it's the, it's the friends, you know, uh, the, 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 somebody from England who uh, came down, like um, I saw uh, Tula Lote, uh, Lisa Wood, at um, at Anaheim and uh, in WonderCon, and I hadn't seen her in like four years, you know. And it was just great to just have dinner and hang out, and you know, share some drinks and tell stories about each other, and you know, remember what the last time we saw each other. It's just that's what makes a show. Yeah, uh, I agree. Going back to your mercenary comment, I actually just a couple or last month there was a one day show that I was kind of hesitant to do anyways but i knew the guy kind of putting it together and so i was gonna go and then i just thought to myself like well last time i did it i didn't make any money so i can just go into work that day like instead of instead of driving up because you know gas it's going to cost me money to go to drive to the show instead of doing that i can just come into the studio color a page and i know and it's a net swing positive totally Uh, so that's the mercenary aspect but yeah the the hang is the hang is my number one like yeah obviously Obviously, I want to make money, but there's a show that I do where I actually make decent money at, but not a huge show in South Dakota. But it's but because it's such a small show, all the pros hang out. Like yeah. there's only like six or seven of us, you know. So we all hang out. So like, you know, I hung out there last fall uh, with, and I spent time with Tony Fleek, who I've never really spent a lot of time with, but I did at that show. And then I saw him in Anaheim and he's like, are you doing that show again? And I'm like, I don't know, like if they invite me and he's like, just email him and tell him to invite you. So, yeah. you know, we'll hang out again. It's fun, yeah. you know? And I'm like, yeah, yeah. I don't, it is fun. I don't, I don't know if I'm the guy that can just email a con and be like, Hey, bring me back. because <laughs> I want to hang out. But uh, yeah, it's, uh, I find that, that, sorry, go on. No, no I was going to say that that's definitely my number one. I do the same yeah. thing when I, when I'm going to be at a show, I look at the guest list and I look like, you know, I look like, oh, who can I hang out with? Who haven't, who haven't I seen in a couple, you know, a couple of years, that kind of exactly. thing. You know? like, yeah. Yeah. I think that what it is, is that the money and the, the financial uh, incentive justifies the hang. 
right? But it isn't the reason. Like you sit there and go like, okay, you know, will I make enough money at this show to make it worth my while so that I can go and party with my friends and see them and everything and then come back and not feel like I wasted my, you know, whole weekend or something, you know? Because like if you don't have your friends there, you're just stuck in your hotel room anyway or, you know, you're wandering around going, you know, like, oh, what's to see in this town? I guess I'll call an Uber and see the art museum or something, you know? It's like, whereas with your friends, you're, you're getting up to terrible trouble and it's, it's hilarious. And you have you know yet those are lasting memories because we're all just like stuck in our studios most of the time so we're looking to blow off steam when we're you know when we're traveling yeah exactly uh so what what makes a bad trip then like what what have you, what is in your experiences is there certain certain triggers or certain things that you notice like oh man this isn't gonna go my way or this was a mistake yeah you know? <laughs> i can tell you straight up bad travel <laughs> i always tell people this because like you know like I do what uh, seven to maybe ten conventions a year, which isn't that uh, a huge amount compared to some people. I know some people who do like twenty, you know, right? And and you know, and, and I know some people who do even uh, one or two people who do even more than that. But I do like seven to ten conventions a year, and that's you know that makes um, that makes eighteen to twenty flights, right? So uh, bad travel makes a bad convention. I always tell people. Um, I don't like to travel after years of getting on planes and seeing every airport. I don't like to travel. I like arriving. I don't like traveling. I love arriving when you're checked into your hotel and you dropped your bags down and you're like, dang, do they have a poolside bar? You know, like maybe I could get lunch at the poolside bar or something, you know, that is fun. The, 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 the experience of going to airports, the, the daily indignities of, of air travel where you're taking off your shoes and your belt and then trying to put them all back on again quickly after the, the, the security check and everything like that. And then uh, squishing into a tiny seat and, uh, and then, you know, hearing that uh, you're about to push off from the, on, the, on the runway and that the pilot comes on and goes, uh, sorry, we're having a problem uh, with the brake, so we're going to have to go pull back into the the terminal now and all that stuff like that's what wrecks it for me i had a year once where um uh, every single flight uh, had a delay uh and and went wrong like literally an entire year of this I, I to the point where by the by the end of the year i knew it like it was like i and we, i was on a plane and they were like uh they were or uh, we were waiting on the tarmac for like half an hour to an hour to take off and there was a person beside me going oh can you believe this and i was like oh please i've, <laughs> I've spent i spent 24 hours okay you know at an airport i've 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 gone south so that i could go north back home you know i've uh i've been stuck uh, on a plane where the the they, they were burning off the fuel off the wing you know like literally there was fire on the wing Right. You know, uh, I've flown into San Diego uh, where I was looking at the window once and I was going like, wow, that's an incredible looking cloud. That cloud is as big as a state. And look at the lightning bolts that are going off in that cloud. Oh, wait, we're flying into that. You know, so and I and I've been at airports where uh, every flight was canceled forever, and you're sitting there going, "Do I have that packet of peanuts that I that I got from the last airport?" You know, and and then I'm sitting there beside a, an old lady who's in a wheelchair, going, "You know, like, do you know when they're gonna let us board? I've been waiting for ten hours, and I'm and I'm like, uh, I'm sorry, ma'am, can I try and find you a pop machine to get you a coke or something?" So it's that it's it's bad travel. 
you know it's 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 flight cancellations it's um it's it's worrying when you're about to go home and uh and your flight gets canceled like um one year out I was at heroes and I was um and I was stuck in town two more days after everybody else had gone home and that's a really weird experience because it's like um you feel like you're the last soldier on the field after a battle you know and and like um when when there's a comic con going on and you're at the hotel everybody getting to the elevator is going to that comic con either they're fans or they're pros and they've got the badges and you recognize them because they've got like Deadpool t-shirts or a big bag of merch, or if they're, you know, if they're pros, they've got like the little art kit that they're taking back to their hotel room so they can knock out some more sketches. And then I was stuck there like two more days because my flights kept getting canceled. And it's really weird because you wake up and you go down to the, 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 to get breakfast at the hotel and it's like a dentist convention. Now there's a whole (laughs) crew of people and there's nobody that, you know, you recognize and they're all in different outfits. There's no more Deadpool t-shirts. Everybody's in a blazer. Right. (laughs) You know, and you sit there and you're like, ooh, you know, like, and, and there's all new signage, you know, saying like, welcome, you know, the, the Podiatist Association of America, you know, for the annual, you know, symposium. And I'm right. like, oh, this is really weird. I don't belong here. Everybody at this restaurant, there's not a single person here that, you know, was part of this con. They're all somebody new now, you know? Yeah, I, I've i been lucky. I guess I don't do that many shows, especially that many shows where I fly to, but I've been lucky. But yeah, I have like, you know, when you when you follow friends on Twitter or whatever, you, you'll hear like when they're leaving a, a show or whatever, they're like, now I'm in Seattle, but I live in, you know, Atlanta. Yeah. You know, now I'm in like Des Moines, you know, yeah, yeah. that kind of thing where you got to take like three flights, you know, three puddle jumpers just to get to where you're going. Yeah, uh, I mean, a nightmare. I leaving that heroes i mean I, it was in charlotte north carolina and had there was a direct flight to toronto and it kept getting canceled due to weather so after two days the solution they came up with was uh why don't you fly down to miami which is south right and then maybe there's a 50 50 shot that we can get you a flight to toronto right and i was like so i have to go south to go north and they were like or you could go to washington where there's again it's like a 50 50 shot right and i was just like oh man and i was like this is insane you know so like that it's bad travel you know i and i've been on every flight like uh uh delta american united all i've seen all the in-flight you know safety videos and uh, you know the first time you see a funny one you're chuckling along and then the, by the 20th time you're just like please i just want to sleep through all of this you know i don't right. even on the plane i don't even like have like apps where i'm like playing games or like like some people write on a plane and stuff like that or they draw i am literally i just close my eyes and just hope it's over and wait me when i arrive or you know and, and when we're landing and, and, and the wheels hit the tarmac and it skids that's right for right uh do you have a um is there when you're packing for a show is there one thing that's like you can't forget no matter what like do you have a um, I don't have like, I don't have a specific one item, but I have like a list of of, of stuff. And what I do is, um, I after all these years, and it, like you know, what however many conventions, you know, uh, I've I've kind of got it down to a science of what I pack. Like, um, I for example, um, you know that bag that you take to the con, that like your art case where your pencils are and stuff like that, because you're going to draw. Right. I always pack Tylenol and band aids in that thing. Right. Because you, you're going to be hung over and you're sitting there going like, oh, I left my Tylenol in, in the hotel. Right. Or, oh, dang, I just cut my finger. Right. It's like so I always pack stuff in that. 
you know, like, uh, and, and I always bring in things like, um, chapstick, you know, cause you're going to be at the con, um, uh, hand sanitizer, things like that, uh, that I've gotten down is like, um, I need to have these in my con bag, not in my travel bag and, you know, um, not in my suitcase and things like that. Right. Yeah. Be prepared. Uh, what is, uh, what's your favorite, uh, city to, to go to for, for work, I guess is, you know, for, for a convention. Um, the, there's a few, but, um, the, the, the ones that stick out, um, New York, because, um, it's an awesome city. So even, uh, even though the New York comic con itself is a really great show and it's a madhouse, the same, uh, on the same scale as San Diego. Um, when you leave the con, um, there's more to do. You know, San Diego has a tiny little downtown where um, after the con, you're trying to go to dinner and there's like 4,000 people that, you know, that right. get reservations. New York has a gigantic city where you, where there's lots of cool places to go, you know, and, cons- uh, you know, consequently because of that, um, you know, you're, you're not always fighting over uh, reservations at the same restaurant or something. Um, and if you don't want to do the con, um, you can, there's lots of stuff to do in new york so, right um and then the only downside of that is that unlike a, a concentrated place like say san diego or even uh, heroes um not everybody's in the same venue at the end of the night so you're constantly trying to meet up with friends in an uber you know one's in manhattan and another one's in queens or something and and you're you're just traveling back and forth across the city trying to meet up at, at a bar or at a party or something and that itself is kind of fun though so new yeah. york is number one um raleigh north carolina uh is another one which i didn't expect i'd never been to raleigh before and uh, i went like two years ago um, tommy lee edwards has a nice show there um and uh, and uh he uh invited me and i found raleigh to be a really nice town even though i hate duke university which is near there like a, uh, i hate to do basketball team just, you, you had a good weekend a couple weekends ago then <laughs> but uh but the thing is is that raleigh is like a dope uh food town i didn't have a bad meal anywhere in raleigh and uh i like charlotte north carolina as well uh, because uh, heroes college really nice and that's a really fighting city as well right so out, outside of do you have a favorite like uh city you've been to that maybe it's just like a vacation city like is there oh yeah totally um i went to well new york is like always good right like as a vacation spot and it's yeah i've I've still never been to new york uh, new york is a madhouse it's yeah um one time a friend of mine um let me stay at his um his penthouse apartment uh, he had a giant condo in uh, in New York. A giant condo in New York means like it's small, right? But he had this giant right. um, terrace, and I stayed there for a week, and it was the craziest thing. It was like every night, it, all you ever hear is cars honking, right? But the city itself just does not sleep. So you can get a good meal and buy a TV at like 3 a.m. in the morning. You know, you could literally buy a TV at 3 a.m. in the morning, right? And um, so New York is always fun. And then um, in terms of like um, – uh, other cities i would say i went to venice italy uh a long time ago and that was the most beautiful city i've ever seen so yeah i've I've never been to europe either that's on my my list for the next two years yeah yeah i've been i've been uh several places in asia but i've never been to europe oh really yeah where'd you go in asia uh well i went to high school in okinawa so I i lived there for like four and a half years and then I've been to mainland Japan a couple of times. I've been to uh, Seoul. I've been mm-hmm. to uh, ah, 
yeah, my uh, brother-in-law used to teach there. Um, and then I also, uh, we also did the Southern islands of Thailand. So uh-huh. we, we did have to stay in Bangkok for like 36 hours, which was kind of shitty, but the Southern islands are great. Like oh, really? what, what are they like? What compared to Bangkok? Uh, well, you know, like the, the islands are kind of more like Hawaii or more like, I guess, Okinawa or, you know, where I lived, it's just like really nice tropical beaches. Whereas Bangkok's just like a crowded city. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, the beach is Kotao, Kosamui, you know, that's a pretty cool spot. So, so are you getting by like on like, uh, like in cabs and things like that or on foot or like, is there like bicycles? What are you doing? Like, or like yeah, we, we just stayed where we could walk. We stayed in like resort areas, like beaches, uh, like dive resort areas. Like no, my, I mean, my, my wife. Bangkok. Oh, in Bangkok. Yeah. We walked most of the time in Bangkok. Uh-huh. Um, and then I think we just cabbed it to the airport, stuff like that. Um, you know, we, we went and like, uh, toured, like some touristy stuff, like the reclining Buddha and some, some temples and stuff like that. We did some tourist stuff there, but it's just, uh, like, like imagine, you know, you know how Charlotte is in, in June, uh, Bang- <laughs> ba- Bangkok in like, uh, January is like 10 times worse than that. Really? Wow. So miserable. Um, <laughs> yeah i guess in a in, in a big city as well like with all the concrete and everything it's like yeah. you really want to be near a beach then yeah we like on, on kosamui our hotel room had like it was like a bungalow we could open all the windows were right on the beach and yeah. then in in bangkok our hotel room didn't even have a window like if, uh, if a building building caught fire we were dead like, there was no <laughs> escape getting out of there um yeah do you have like a favorite i guess you already told some of your favorite or uh some travel stories but do you have like a favorite like con story or anything crazy that, you know, you don't have to name names or anything, but, um, uh, there's, any- yeah, the, the, I'll tell you a couple, um, the, the, the best ones you can't tell. Right. Right. Because it just, it just involves stupidity, like just human stupidity on an epic right. scale. And, and it, it involves other people. Yeah. Right. Um, but the, uh, I remember one year, um, I went to San Diego, um, cause I, like I told you, I went to San Diego when I was starting my career and I was like, you know, I didn't have a table and everything. We stayed at the holiday inn and everything. And, uh, and I remember I enjoyed the experience, but I remember telling myself like, I am never coming back to this city until I did this crazy con until like they fly me here and make me a guest. Damn it. You know, I want to get the treatment, you know, and I'm not coming back here. 10 years later, you know, they were like, you know, they finally invite me out. And uh, so they, I was like, Oh, this is it. I finally got the ticket to go to San Diego. They're going to pay the whole way and, you know, put me in a hotel room and everything. But I was like, having done San Diego the first time where like you have five friends who crash on your floor, you know, in your ho- tiny holiday Inn because of the fact that they're all, you know, trying to break in as well, that it didn't feel right to go to San Diego and like take up the whole hotel room on your own. So uh, I invited a couple of other friends of mine. I said, Hey, look, they're giving me two tickets uh, to go to San Diego and they'll give me the room. So if you guys want to crash in the room, uh, let me know. And I, I got one extra ticket to give somebody. So, in the end, there was like two other guys in my room with me. Um, one of them was my buddy Andy, and another was uh, my friend uh, Alex Hoffman, who often travels with me to cons when they give me an extra ticket. Um, and every night, uh, we would come back from the bar or something at like 2 a.m., and invariably, we're, we'd always be hungry, and then we'd order a pizza, except for Alex, who was a vegan, who would order like some spaghetti or something. And every night without fail, we'd all fall asleep before it arrived, right? <laughs> <laughs> but right. somebody would somehow somebody would get up and just take the order, go, oh, thanks, and put it on the table. And every morning we'd wake up and we'd have this whole big gigantic pizza and like a big plate of pasta. And we're like, 
fuck, we can't just keep doing this, dude. <laughs> you know, like it's piling up in here, right? And uh, so we would in the morning we would like, okay, well, let's eat the pizza, this disgusting, like, you know, stupid pizza we ordered at two a.m. And then, uh, and sometimes we'd find some people in lobby, we'd just give it to them or something. Uh, and then um, on the last night of that con, we, you know, we we came back and it was like, you know, San Diego's exhausting. It's like five days, right? So we're exhausted. We've walked from one end of the damn city to the other to go from, you know, party to party or bar to bar and everything. And we're like going, oh God, it's been five days. I've been working on four hours sleep. And then I looked out the window and it was like, damn, that pool is still lit, right? So we were like, let's go swimming, right? So it was like, it was 1 a.m. in the morning and we went down there and they were like, uh, no, we're closing up. And we were like, please just let us, we'll be here for like, you know, half an hour or whatever, right? And we went for a swim and it was so good to wash that whole weekend of like debauchery and, and con sweat and everything and just go into the pool and just feel like refreshed and it totally woke us up right and we were up for like another four hours after that so i always remember that and um the another one is um we were in uh seattle and for um uh, emerald city comic con have you ever done that one yeah i used to do it uh before it was a read pop show i did it a lot Right. Well, it's it's yeah. When uh, when Jim Dimonacos was was doing it, right? Like yeah, right. and that's how I started going there. And uh, and one year, uh, and that show's great. Seattle's a great town, right? Yeah. Um, and uh, one year we went there, and at the same time that Comic Con was going on, um, at the same hotel, there was these these people having a pottery convention. So it was like the Potters Association. Yeah, you're laughing, but okay. So we'd run into these people in the elevator. They'd all have little pottery badges and they'd be going, Oh, are y'all here for like Pottery Con? And I was like, No, we're here for the Comic Con. And like, Oh, so you're like, you draw Batman? And I was like, Some of us draw Batman, some of us draw other stuff. Yes, but that's what we're here for. And and we, we would see them and then, you know, we're like, Oh, this is cute. They're having a little Pottery Con or something. And it was exact same time as ours. And then on the last night of the con, we're at the bar and, it, you know, it's kind of winding down and everything. And, and, and I and I we were like going, hey, look, the, the pottery people on the banquet room are having a, uh, their little, you know, end of the end of the uh, the pottery con uh, dinner and and banquet and and you know and party. So we were like, let's go check this out. So I, I grabbed a buddy of mine and we went upstairs and we you know we went up the escalator. We opened up the door and it was lit. Like there were like, there was a full band going, there was a dance floor and there were like, you know, people bringing around drinks and there were, and some of the people we recognized in the elevator were, were all like, like, oh yeah, are you guys here for, come on in, come on in. So we went in, we were hanging out there and we were like, this is so good. We went back downstairs, grabbed all our friends and said, we're going to Pottery Con, trust me, this is, this is lit. And we went upstairs and everyone was like, oh my God, this is like the best party. Right. Like, and it was like, uh, there were like, not that any of us partook, but there were people like selling cocaine on the dance floor and stuff, you know? And like the band was completely lit. Right. And it was like, and we were like dancing and it was like, this is the, you know, I will never, I will never talk bad about potters. These guys were awesome. You know, and they were super friendly and they were like all chatting with us and we're all, you know, and we're just sharing at this party. And it was like, I'll always remember that as like, you know, I always, whenever I go to Emerald City, I always wonder, will they ever have Pottery Con at the same time again? You know? Yeah. Comic comic conventions are interesting is because there's just so many of them. Like you said, some people yeah. you could do, you could do one every weekend pretty much if yeah, that's what you wanted to do. There's like yeah. three or four at the same time now. But for a lot of these like other things, it's like the once a year thing. Yeah. They all get together once a year. So, yeah, uh, I've been to I've been to a couple like uh, 
symposium slash conventions um, with attorneys. And it's just interesting to see them like trying to, you know, they're cutting loose because it's the one time of year they yeah. get to do that. And uh, they're not cutting loose. Like sounds like the pottery people are cutting loose, but they're <laughs> still, you know, they're still having fun. They're still up shooting the shit till, you know, late at night and stuff like that. But uh, it's just like, I just sit there and I'm just like, Oh, this is like, this is, could be any city in America that has a comic con. It's like this, you know, a yeah, hundred times a year. And you know, the weird thing is, it's like, it's true because what you're saying is exactly right. Like, all of us who do comic cons, we're, there's so many of them that you know. We're the, sometimes you're like, you know, some people go from weekend to weekend to weekend and they never go home, right? But for these other groups, it's their one chance to cut loose. Like um, there's a there's a librarian convention in Las Vegas, for example, and I think it takes place in other places. But um, one year it was in Las Vegas, and I was like, librarian con, like come on, right? And they were like, no, these librarians really get down, right? <laughs> and I was like. Uh, what they were like and they pointed out exactly a similar kind of thing as you do it's like just think about it this is their chance to go in and meet with book publishers and get wine and dine you know and they 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 order like the whole year's worth of stuff and so therefore you know it's it's a it's a party every night and it's for them it's you know it's their opportunity to get away from home for that one time a year and you know in a place like like las vegas they might as well just do it up right do you have any like any fan experiences or table interactions that stick out? Like, um, like you mentioned earlier, you enjoy talking to, to fans if there's time. And if it's a slow show, there's obviously more time to, to, to talk to fans. Like, is there, is there a kind of experience you enjoy or is there a type of a certain interaction that you recall? Yeah. Um, well, one thing I always like is um, when I meet um, like pros that I grew up idolizing that's mm-hmm. one thing and they come by the table and I, and and sometimes they, when they introduce themselves to me i already know what they look like because i've like read an interview with them because i'm that kind of nerd and it's like and that always like makes me really happy is when somebody uh, whose work i really respect um like and just admired to death you know comes by and tells me they know my work as well and that that always gets me but um the other thing is also um when i run into the kids at the con who like not just the regular old you know like the kids that are into the Marvel movies, but that 12 year old kid who's like the Uber nerd, who is like me at that age, right? Like I was at WonderCon, for example, and um, this kid would walk by my table, did a double take, and then um, he saw this X Men cover that I had drawn for like the classic X Men from the 60s. You know, it was like a reprint collection, and he was like, Did you draw that? And I was like, "Uh, Yeah, I did, right? And then he pulls out of his bag his copy of the same book. Right. And it's like, you know, a collection of X-Men, like from the 60s, like from issue one to 10. Right. And I was like, okay, no kid in in 2022 is reading that book. Right. Because it's it's pretty old, you know, like it's kind of dated. Even as a kid, when I was 12, I was like, yeah, this is, you know, I've, this isn't my cup of tea, you know, but, the, and I was like, are you an X-Men fan? He was like, oh yeah, totally. I was like, well, you know, do you like the classic X-Men? Do you like the new X-Men? Like, cause you know, I was just trying to make talk with him and he was like, oh no, gotta go classic man. You know? And I was like, oh wow. Okay. Right. And he was like, you know, right into it. And I was like, all right, kid, you know, like you want a drawing, you know, cause I do free drawings for kids under 12. I, you know, and he was like, and he was like, yeah. And I was like, all right, you know, pick a superhero. I'll draw it. And he was like, Iceman. Right. And I was like, nobody in the world has ever, you know, as their superhero. And so I was like, his photophones were, you know, legit. And I was like, all right, let's see if I can draw Iceman. And then um, 
his little brother and uh, and sister were there at the table as well. And uh, and so the the second kid, uh, I, I, I see him, you know. And as I'm drawing this drawing, um, he, and I hold it up, and you know, he goes, "Oh." It just you know that that that, that right. joy right it was like and I was like right on I was like I, and I turned his brother and I go like I assume you want one as well it's like yeah and so he tells me he wants Doctor Strange and I draw Doctor Strange and as I hold it up the same kid goes oh again you know <laughs> and and it's moments like that you know like right um, one time I also saw um, a whole family of kids like a gaggle of kids they were um, I think they were either friends or brothers and sisters and they were ranged from like twelve to six and they all dressed in homemade cosplay right as like spider-man villains and or just villains one was lex luther and in, in his in his you know photo day suit with a business card that said luther another kid addressed as doc ock and he had made a cardboard box that he wore as a backpack and then he had like a little metal like uh, like I think it was like tinfoil wrapped slinkies coming off of the side, of it. <laughs> and he had like right. yellow uh, dish gloves. And I was like, these kids are the coolest kids, you know. So I really dig it when I see like kids at a con and that are really into comics and that are not being like say dragged there by their dad or something. Yeah, and especially when younger people, obviously, like you said, they they read the comics. They're not just there because of the movies. They're obviously into the comics. I was waiting for you to tell me that that 12-year-old kid asked for like a sketch of Mimic or something. I thought he was going to go like real deep. <laughs> yeah, if he did, that I've, <laughs> I've, I've had once or, one or two like that. Like I, years ago, I remember um, there, was a, there was a kid who was really precocious and he was at a convention and he asked a friend of mine who's a very well-known artist uh, to draw him some like Craven the Hunter. Right. You know, kind of a deep cut at the time. Right. And and my buddy goes, uh, hey, listen, uh, I can't really draw you craving that well, but my buddy Mike over there will draw that for you. Right. And so he comes to my table and uh, and this kid is super precocious and uh, and I'm laughing at him. I go, OK, you want Craven the Hunter? Eh? Go, OK, just to let you know, it'll look like this. And I hold up another sample of a drawing that I did and I saw his face go like, ooh. <laughs> Right, <laughs> and I was like, "Okay, kid. okay, thanks." You know, thanks for the real <laughs> moment there, right? <laughs> you know, and then he was like, ah, "No, thanks." Right, and I was like, and my buddy beside me was like, "Go, like, oh my god, was that the sickest burn you've ever had? Like, do you need some ointment or something? Like, you know, what are you gonna do?" <laughs> right, and I was like, "Yeah, that was hilarious." <laughs> yeah, it's always it's always uh, like uh, I don't I don't ever get. Uh, I don't ever get in my own head when I'm doing a sketch for like a 35 year old collector, but whenever it's like someone like younger than like 20, who's really enthusiastic, I'm like, Oh man. And then sometimes you give them the sketch and they're like, yeah, thanks. You're like, Ooh, (laughs) you know, you know, what's wild about that though is like, it depends on where you go. Right. Like, like uh, I do free sketches. My policy at cons is I do uh, free sketches for any kid that's under 12. I don't advertise it because of the fact sometimes like, you know, parents and, you know, and I've had that and, you know, I've had to put those guys in their place. But, um, but the thing is, is like any kid that looks like he's being dragged around at the con, you know, and the dad is chatting with me and the kid looks bored that I just sit there and go, Hey kid, you, you know, you want a free sketch. And if, if I'm in New York, right. And I do him a sketch, he's like, whatever, thanks. You know, it doesn't even say thanks. It's just like, mm, right. On the other hand, I've been to the Maritimes, which is like our East Coast. Like um, it would be like equivalent to Maine or, you know, uh, New England or something. And I was did a small uh, convention there. And the kids were like, they were just over the moon at the idea that someone would draw them a free drawing. 
you know, and, and I got the, the most honest comments, you know, like uh, one kid as he's watching me draw is going, Oh, he's good and fast. You know, and I was like, "Red Hot Kid, I feel great about myself now." You know, hopefully, hopefully that kid grows up to be an editor. <laughs> and I also love the the kid that comes by, uh, and they've got their own comic. You know, like they're they're like twelve right. years old or something, and they've got like one kid came by with a little uh, Ziploc baggie. You know, and he proceeded to sit at my table and read uh, one of these scenes that I had made, like back to front, like you know, right at the table. And then um, he, he came by later, and he had a little uh, Ziploc baggie, and he took out his little photocopied comic. It was like four pages stapled, you know. And he gave it to him, and it was it was dope. It was like you know, he's twelve years old and he's drawing his own comics, and he finished it and he photocopied like four copies. You know, that tells you he's going somewhere, you know, right. and I read it and I was like, this is hilarious. You know, it's like, you know, you're going to be a professional anytime you want, you know, you just keep at it. He was like, oh, you think so? Well, thanks. You know, and I was just like, and I was just like, anybody who finished that at, at 12, you know, like, you know, this, this kid's got a future in comics. Yeah. Those kind of experiences are super cool when they're kids. It's less cool when it's like another 40 year old dude who's like, hey, you want to switch? You want to trade comics? <laughs> but it looks like it was drawn by like a nine-year-old i'm like oh man like yeah i only have so much i only have so much product yeah yeah i i get the people um who give me their comics um at the table and i always i'm, I'm always thankful for that because like you know that's like them like showing wanting to show you right made. And, and i appreciate that the only thing i don't like is when um like you're at the restaurant or at the bar and then somebody who's like trying to break in um has brought their like promo kit with them to the restaurant or bar, you know, and they're trying right. to show you the comic. And I'm like sitting there like, Hey man, you know, we just want to blow off steam. It's been like 12 hours. We were at a con. We don't need a sales pitch here. You know, like right. this is the time when, when like, you know, I don't, I don't really need to know about this cool project you're working at. We're kind of hanging out and just having some drinks and trying to blow off steam, not, you know, be sold something and pitch right. that something. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, that's another weird thing. Like when I was in uh, like Anaheim, like there was only a handful of people I knew. So it's like, I don't want to just, I just don't want to, but I don't want to go up to a table that I, of people that I only either barely know through like social media or whatever. Like, I don't want to be that. I mean, there are those people at every show that'll just like come sit down at your table or oh, whatever. Yeah. And yeah. I'm, I'm super, super uh, like hyper aware of not wanting to be that person. Uh, but yeah, like sometimes that can maybe bite me in the ass cause I don't network enough or something at a show. Uh, but I also firmly believe in just like, Hey, like you said, you just want to blow off some steam. It's, yeah, it's exhausting doing a convention, especially oh. some of those days where they're like nine hour days where it's like 10 AM to like seven. Yeah. It's, uh, it, it can really be exhausting. You know, what's worse though, is that, um, in the past I used to be able to uh, draw at my table. Cause like I sketch at shows, right. Some people come line up and, you know, I take a list of like, I'm going to draw 10 drawings at this show or something. So, uh, and I used to do them at my table. Right. And so in the, in the old days, um, I would be able to sit there and draw like four or five of them a day at my table because I would sporadically be interrupted. Maybe, you know, once or twice an hour, if somebody wants to get some books signed or something and, and, uh, and, you know, or they want to buy a print or they just want to chat or something. And I put down my pen and, you know, and talk to them. Now, um, I have too many people wanting books signed because there's such, now that it's been so many years, it's accumulated, you know, and there's a lot of people who want their books signed and they, there's also people who want to buy prints and such, and the tables are small and I can't draw at the, at the con. So therefore what I have to do is I have to draw uh, before and after the con, 
you know, and I was used to be the guy that used to mock the friends of ours. Like we're going out for dinner after the con and it's like, Oh, what are you going to do? I got to stay in the hotel room and finish up these commissions. And I'd be like, ah, you sucker. Or the other people who'd be like, you know, like, what are you going to do after the con? We're going out to this restaurant. I got to head to this page. And I'm like, Oh, you're going to work in the hotel room or are you going to use like the coaster as like your circle template? And you know what I mean? You know, you know what I'm saying? Right. Oh yeah. You're going to try and light box this on the window. Yeah. Right. It's like, Oh, you sad sack we're going out tonight bye and now i'm one of those guys where i was like oh crap like at anaheim i woke up um i would get like four or five hours of sleep i would wake up at 6 a.m on the nose and knock out two drawings before breakfast and my friend is like going i'm going for a swim and i'm like i gotta draw baby yoda you know and and then And then afterwards, you know, like he'd come back and like, you're ready for breakfast. And it was like, hang on, I got to knock out one more and then I can go. Right. And then after the con, you're exhausted and you come back to the room and it's like, before we go out for dinner, I got to knock out two more drawings, you know, and that hurt. Right. Because your days stretched infinitely longer. And right. I know other friends um, who are artists who um, they'll come to a con, they'll take a list of people to, to get sketches from, and then they won't even go to the rest of the con. They'll just sit in the hotel bar or in the room or in the lobby and just sketch, right? And I can't do that. Like I've always wanted to be at the con so that people want to sign things if you know if they want to meet me or, right. or you know whatever, right? So I like to sit at my table, but I can't draw my table anymore, and so therefore the the length of the con itself, the work day, has stretched out by an extra four hours. Yeah, I've uh, um, well, when I'm a especially if I'm like a full blown guest at a show. I really do think that I should be at the show. You know, I should it should be at my table. Uh, so yeah, I, I really like doing the pre-show commissions, um, just because I like like I got to buy a plane ticket next week and it's already been paid for with pre-show commissions and like that's I like that because you know yeah. obviously it's covered. I'm not going out of pocket for anything. Um, but yeah, it, it does seem like it's getting more and more difficult to uh, to just draw at shows. It just I mean yeah. maybe it's just. I don't know. It's a, maybe conventions are so normalized now that maybe more and more people are coming up to talk or it's yeah. just, it's just, or maybe it's my age. Like I'm not, I can't keep getting interrupted and get back to it. Like a, like a sketch that should take me like a half hour is not going to take me four hours because it's hard to stop and start. It's hard to. Yeah. And I think it's partially like you're, you're increasing in your career, right? You're progressing in your progress, your career. So therefore you, um, you know, you don't have as much, um, that free time at the con anymore. Like the first time I did a con man in Toronto, I sat there and it was crickets around me and I, I could give sketches away. Like one friend came by and it was like, all right, Mike, you know, I'll get a drawing of the thing from you. It's like, okay, it's 10 bucks. You know, and and there was nobody at my table. But as you progress in your career, you know, you have you build a body of work, and therefore there's more and more demands. Like the guy that comes with a long box and wants to get it all signed, it's CGC witnessed or something, or you know, um, or uh, contacts you met from you know at previous shows that want to chat at your table for an hour or something. So you didn't have that earlier on, right? Now you do, and therefore you're not going to get that drawing done at your table. What's What's saddest for me is when I walk around a con, though, um, and I see a row of artists' alley tables, and they're all represented by an art rep or something, and they've got the banners of the names of the artists, and there's not a single one of those artists sitting at that table because of the fact they're all in their hotel room or in the lobby drawing, right? And that, to me, as a fan, always made me sad because it was like, imagine if I was the you know, the 16 year old me wanting to meet David Mazzucchelli for the first time or something. And I drove up here or something. And then he's not at the con, 
you know, he's just taking a list right. and sitting at, you know, at the hotel bar and drawing, you know, and that always makes me feel a little sad. So it's like, I want to sit at my table. I want to be there as much as possible, you know, and, uh, you know, and, uh, and that's, you know, especially when, like you say, the organizers have, uh, have paid your way to be a guest uh, of the show, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. It's almost like cons have gotten, they've, they've just gotten like too big, I think, you know, yeah. it, it used to be much more intimate and now it's just, it's just overwhelming, I think, for everybody involved. Mm-hmm. Um, and when they're too big, also it leads to a situation where, like, um, you know, uh, I've seen some people at cons um, be very, very dissatisfied with, it, like, you know, guests of the con or people who are tabling or something be very dissatisfied by something that that's triggered them, and therefore everybody has a negative experience. You know, that their interactions with fans are polluted by that, and you know, and so forth. So, you know, the fans feel like, like I've been to some cons where, like, the fans of uh, they've shelled out a, an inordinate amount of money to meet some, um, uh, you know, TV star or something who then was delayed on a plane because of weather or because of a change in the shooting schedule. So therefore they sat out in the sun for like 10 hours for this person to arrive and they never did, you know, right. that person then hits the floor and then he's, they're miserable, you know, and that it contributes to the energy of the con because they're, they're coming through the con having a bad experience and, you know, and, uh, there's nothing you can, you know, it just contributes to uh, the negativity of a con. And I find those types of things, it's like I'm trying to mitigate them as much as possible, being as friendly as I can to people. But, you know, the larger cons get, the more and the more they become a, you know, um, a money-making enterprise as opposed to a, um, you know, a fan, uh, you know, like a fan experience for, you know, them to have a good time meeting people of their tribe you know right <laughs> once it becomes just a just a complete turnkey money-making up operation the more of those types of experiences happen yeah i agree um all right last question um do you do you have a definitive favorite con or favorite city oh um like i don't have a i would say i love um i love new york comic con um, I love uh, I love Heroes Con, and uh, I love my hometown con in Toronto. I love my favorite con in the world is like I mean, there's a lot, but the one that stands out as a personal favorite is uh, TCAF, the Toronto Comic Arts Festival, because it was one of the first cons I did. Uh, that's where I had that experience with that kid that went <laughs> when he saw my drawing, you know. <laughs> and uh, it's it's um, I still have friends. Um, it's one of the first um, cons I did. So I still have friends that are pros and very well established to this. And that when we meet, we talk about, hey, remember when we met at the Kinkos and we were photocopying our scenes? You know, and I, I saw your work and you said, you're, you know, I said your stuff is great. And I, you saw mine and you said, we're like, oh man, this is amazing. That con has, still has that, um, that, those memories for me. It's like, oh yeah, that's when I started. Yeah, it's so fun to, to do shows with people you came up with and talk about those early shows and yeah. how, how how much of a struggle it seemed like then and how different things are now. Yeah. And I see that with younger guys now, like, you know, like you, when you, when, when I go around a con, I see kids and like uh, in artist alley and, and I remember like, and they're like splitting a table, you know, and they're like, right. you know, and like they've got separate sides and the booth is packed with stuff, you know, because they're like trying to, you know, maximize the space in, in the, in the con. And, and then sometimes I'll be at dinner and, uh, or we'll be hanging out in the lobby and I'll be seeing these guys and they're like drawing and, and they're like ordering a pizza. And I was like, I remember that. You know, I used to do this, you know, and, and that kind of thing inspires me. 
All right. Um, where can, uh, what, what, uh, social media would you like to promote or your website or your, get your, uh, your dealer's site or wherever? I would like to promote no social media. I have social media. I am, uh, I'm on Twitter and I'm on Instagram, but I try to be on as little as possible because um, I think social media destroyed the world. Um, I, I view it as a necessary evil to promote stuff. So if you want to find me on social media, all you have to do is Google me, but I'm not going to promote it here because okay. you, really, you don't need to be on Twitter. You don't need to be on Instagram. You know? Yeah. We, uh, we were just talking today on, uh, my my friends like our discord and we were talking about like uh maybe it's time to to, to dump like twitter especially if if uh e- elon musk does what he thinks he wants to do with it or whatever and it's just i'm torn because i'm not at a place in my career now where i'm actually like i'm sought out so i actually get a lot of work yeah. through twitter exactly it's a necessary evil yes right? because if you don't have it Right. All you're thinking about is like I'm missing out on the business end of things. Yes. However, whenever you go to promote your business thing, whatever, you invariably step off your porch for one second and there's a monkey flinging poop at you. You know, and I'm I'm sitting there going like I like I joined Twitter on a lark so that I could hang out with um, other friends of mine who were up at 4 a.m. Right, other artist friends from around the world at different time zones who are in their studios working at 4 a.m. and therefore we could just tweet off a, a silly comment about a movie or do right. a hot take on you know Star Wars or something, right? And as the years went on, you know the joy of that went away as more and more trolls and bots came online and started causing more and more commotion. So that now, whenever I go on Twitter and I post something, I'm always sitting there going like, I'm not going to post anything that is in any way a take. All I want to do is post artwork. If I comment on anything, I am going to get notifications. You know, if I make a comment on the Oscars or about the latest, I don't know, Star Wars movie or something like that, I'm going to get notifications and my whole day will be derailed when I should be just sitting here playing lightsabers with my son, you know, and and he'll be going like, Daddy, come on, you know, I'm supposed to be Anakin and you're supposed to be on the lava right now. And I'm like, hang on, Daddy has to respond to this troll on Twitter. And I'm like, I don't want to do that. So it's like, why? I don't need any negativity. And, and, you know, I use it to promote because it's a necessary evil. Like you're saying, like you want it when you have a book out, you want to tell people that's where they can find, you know, your work. When you have a con, you want to tell people that when you have something like, you know, hey, I'm doing the signing or I won't be around. I'm sorry, I can't make it to this con or something. You want to let people know things like that. But beyond that, you know, like I've never joined Facebook and I've, I've seen the the impact it's had on my social life because friends go, oh, sorry, you didn't know about that party, man. It's like it'll be posted on Facebook or something. Right. I accept that as the the price of not giving Zuckerberg any more, you know, eyeballs or it, that one my two eyeballs. You know? Right, right, all right. Well, thanks for being on the show. And uh, am I gonna uh, am I gonna see you in Charlotte this summer? Totally. I'm Excellent. gonna go back, man. It's now that the show's on. You know, I'm I'm we're gonna do it up. You know, I, I'm, yeah. I got all my buddies, uh, we were talking and we're like, yeah, let's, let's do Charlotte this year. This is going to be, you know, it's going to be dope. We're going to have a great time. You know, the fans are always good there. There's so many people that go to that show that, yeah. that you didn't expect to be at the show, but are at that show. Cause they came with a buddy or something, you know, right. so, and, and that, that city's lit, man. I love that city. So yeah, I'm, I'm super excited. It's, uh, I didn't go, uh, I actually ended up canceling kind of at the last minute, the last year before, 
COVID. So 2019 or something like that. So I haven't been in like four years or something like that. So I'm super pumped to go. Yeah. I think uh, it was like 2019, maybe that it was the last time I went. So yeah, you know, and Hey, you know, if you're at the con, you know, come and see me and are you tabling? Yeah. Awesome. So I'll come yeah. by your table or you come by my table or yeah. we'll meet at the bar. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. All right, man. Thanks again. All right, right. <laughs>